early on in my career perhaps, I was afraid that I was being annoying to the developers when I was asking for certain things. But it's our job, right? We design it a certain way, and so it needs to be built a certain way, and so that's what happens. Welcome to Design Life, a show about design and side projects for motivated creatives. My name's Charlie. And my name is Femke. And today we are doing episode 123. And in this episode, we're going to talk about design handoff and validation. And we were talking last night about what, what we should talk about in today's episode. And I was thinking about, you know, some of the things that I've been going through personally uh, with my workflow and with my design process. And something that I've been spending a lot of time doing recently is design handoff. I've kind of got into the end of my big project that I've been doing at work. So for the last month or so, I've been in this big sort of design handoff phase and also now starting to enter the validation phase where I am starting to review the work that in engineers are doing to make sure that they're implementing the designs correctly. So I thought, you know, maybe this would be an interesting topic to touch on. We haven't really gone deep into this before, but of course, as designers, a lot of us work very closely with engineers. So it's something worth talking about today, I think. For sure. But as usual, before we get stuck into it, how are you going this week? It is lovely weather. So I don't know about you, but I've been finding it really hard to have much motivation over the past few days with this 25 degree heat. Yeah, so we just had a long weekend here in England. Instead of having Labor Day on the first, like the first of May or whenever it's supposed to be, in England they move it and make it the first Monday in May. And so, yeah, we just had that this past weekend, and I did not touch my computer once on the Monday. Nice, it was really nice to have a full, you know, computer-free day. Went to the park, sat in the shade with some friends, and yeah, just drank some beers <laughs> and it was really nice but then as per usual whenever I have a day like that or a weekend where I don't do a whole bunch of stuff I did complete one project but you know uh, I always end it thinking oh man I just wasted all that time <laughs> <sighs> and like I feel like that feeling is easing I feel like that feeling but yeah it's easing up because as I get older I think and more like allow myself to rest more like we've talked about in past episodes but yeah for sure Felt a bit guilty that I didn't make the most of that weekend day off to be, you know, doing, getting ahead with my side projects. But relaxation and socialization is a priority, right? Like, it's not time wasted. You're right, you're right. But it feels like it is, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. What about you? How, how have you been going? Uh, I've been going good. Well, actually, exciting. I did my first run. Yeah, girl. I know that I think two episodes ago, I said that I wanted to start running and I know I, I can't celebrate too much because the goal is to introduce running into my routine this month in May and I've only been on one run. So that's all right. <laughs> it's still early in May. It's early in May. So I can't say I've completed the goal, but I started, which is always super exciting. And uh, I did the Couch to 5K app that you recommended. And I also downloaded a Nike running I can't remember what it's called, Nike something app. And so I used both of those to track my run and listen to the prompts and what to do. And yeah, the first run was actually, I didn't die as much as I thought I would. Like after I told people I did my first run, everyone asked me the same question. Did you die? (laughs) Which is kind of funny question. Uh, But it was good. It was like 60 second run and then 90 second walk. So it was like a run walk, you know, as a, as a first ease in run. 
And yeah, it was really good. I was finding as I got more into the run, I wanted to run for longer than 60 seconds. I guess like, you know, you get into your groove and all my running friends told me like, don't do it. Like, don't push it. Like, don't strain yourself, especially when you're just starting to run. Stick to the prompts and sort of ease yourself into it slowly. So yeah, we'll see how I go. Hopefully uh, it's not a one-off. But yeah, I'm glad that I at least did it and I started. Right, you should write it in your bullet journal that you're going to go tomorrow. I should, like yes. Tonight after work, something like that. You make it part of your routine. I totally want to make it part of my routine. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a thing and not much else going on. I'm working on a blog post or two on the side, which is taking me, I don't know, I used to sit down and be able to write in like one session, like one and a half to two hours, I could write a blog post, but... I'm finding that a lot harder all of a sudden. So it more sort of spreads out over a week or two. So I don't know why that is. I think maybe just the season and priorities changing, but uh, hopefully I will get a blog post out this month. I'm sure you will get there. But it's, you know, you've got to give yourself a break as well for, like you said, priorities changing. I know. Like that as well. How actually, I've been meaning to ask you, it's like this is not really related to much, but I know that you recently got a Nintendo Switch, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> How is that going? Because when I first started playing, I got completely immersed in it and just, you know, spent hours playing and relaxing guiltily. Uh, so how is that going for you? Is that something you've been enjoying doing or have you not been picking it up as much as you thought you would? I've been picking it up a lot more than I thought I would. Okay, Because okay. of this little game called Stardew Valley. That oh, I know yes. Your boyfriend Owen plays. Yes, yes. Basically, you have a little farm, and when you explain it, it sounds kind of like it's just a boring farmville or something, but it's also got all this weird stuff to it, like, I don't know, there's a wizard, and then there's, the, like, this cave with little slime monsters and things. Mm-hmm. It's really cute, and I like it a lot. I end up playing... A little bit on that, probably each night when Mark's, I don't know, watching something on YouTube, we're just both like chilling on the sofa. I haven't been tempted yet to pick it up during the workday, which is good. I hope (laughs) it stays that way. (laughs) I think if I picked it up like on my lunch break or something, it could easily, you know, turn into me not wanting to go back to work for the rest of the afternoon. So I think I'm avoiding that. Control, (laughs) control. Yeah, control. But it's fun. It's nice and relaxing. And I've never been a video game person, so it's fun to finally own my own console and be able to do some stuff Mm -hmm. yeah it is really nice I enjoy playing as well I haven't tried Stardew Valley yet I've heard it's very addictive so I've purposefully stayed away from it but it does look really fun and I will probably move on to it once I finish Zelda and I'm getting pretty close to finishing Zelda (laughs) yes I would recommend as your next game (laughs) okay I'll keep it in mind I bet that's not what people thought they were going to hear about when they tuned into a design podcast yeah a little side note suddenly we became a gaming podcast yeah <laughs> we like the nintendo switch it is really good yes nintendo switch aside because i could probably actually do an episode about it um <laughs> let's talk about design handoff and validation so maybe a good starting point is is this something you do because i don't want to make the assumption that every designer does this so yeah is this something you do and is it part of your process and and maybe why is it part of your process So it's not something I do anymore because we don't have a dedicated front-end developer uh, at ConvertKit who would build my designs. I'm the one who has to build them myself. And so I definitely have gotten lazier in terms of making my sketch files pixel perfect or even sometimes completely finishing them because I'm like, I know what I need to do there and then I'll just build it, you know. Uh, But definitely something I used to do in every other, you know, web design role that I've had. 
design handoff was a super important part because I was always working with a developer, uh, usually working pretty closely with a developer. I don't know what it's like for you, Fem, but it wasn't so much a case of throwing it over the fence, as they say. Right. When I was doing my designs, um, we were in the same room as the developers. You know, there were just a couple of desk rows away. And at any time I wanted, I could go up and talk to them. We could sit together before, like, for the handoff, I guess, of a new new project. And I could walk them through the design and point out a few things to them without having to create a document with a whole bunch of notes to it. Uh, yeah, so it's definitely something I used to do. I don't know how much further you want me to get into the whole process right now, but yes, is the answer to your question. <laughs> and like, have you found it a helpful thing to do when you have done it? Like what what has it eliminated? Like if you hadn't have done a handoff process in those projects, you know, what, what do you think the consequence of that would have been? Well, I think that we, what we have to remember, I think we talked about this in our, we did like a working with developers episode a long time ago or something. And something we talked about in there is that we see things kind of differently and think a little bit differently to developers. And so to us, spacing that isn't even or whatever is very obvious or like when there isn't enough spacing in the built design compared to in our, you know, uh, Figma or sketch file or whatever, we see that as really obvious, like, come on, there's not enough space there. But to a developer, they probably don't have that design eye for detail that we do, unless they also do a bit of design themselves. And so they have built the thing, they've added some spacing, and it's not clicked for them exactly how much that should be. So I think design handoff is really important for those fine details. I think any developer could take a look at a flat design and build something kind of similar, you know, in HTML, CSS, whatever they're using. But where a handoff process is really important is in the details and getting all those tiny little design details perfect and correct and, yeah, how you imagine them to be. Yeah, I think that's super important because I think it can be really dangerous if we make assumptions, right? Yes, like you said, if, you know, to us, it's super obvious. Uh, we can see it visually. Obviously, the button should be black and not blue, right? And I've heard of it happening before where the engineer just doesn't implement the design properly. Uh, you know, I've heard of stories where the text is Times New Roman when it obviously shouldn't oh, be, no. or, the, the you know, they made the button blue when it should be black, for example. So, yeah, I think having this documentation really helps because I think it's so dangerous for us to just assume that an engineer can look at it design and implement it correctly and I think that you should always err on the side of giving too much information than giving not enough you know right like if you give too many spec details or explain too many things that's not really a problem like they can just ignore this or like brush over the stuff that they already knew and already figured out but if you don't give enough then you are making assumptions over what is obvious and what is not. And that's hard to do because what's obvious to you might not be obvious to someone else. So yeah, always more information rather than less. Yeah, totally. So maybe I'll just talk a little bit about how I sort of structure and process things. Yeah, what does a handoff even look like for you? Let's let's go into that. Okay, so currently a handoff is in the form of a Google slide deck. Okay. And I don't want to get too much into like the tools that I use, but essentially it's a place where we collect all of the information uh, and it's all documented there for engineers with links off to various design files or like asset folders and things like that. Uh, so typically the structure of the handoff 
Goth deck is that it opens up with uh, a little bit of background about the project. You know, imagine an engineer is just jumping into this. They have no idea. So a little bit about what the project is and what the goal is. And then also a section for the flow. So usually I have like a big sort of if you can imagine like a big map sort of where it's like lots of screens and arrows you know going to each other Uh, so I have like this sort of big master flow and while this you know I I don't think isn't is enough and it's not sort of meant to serve as a, a guide it's more just like for engineers to get a big overview of like okay so here's kind of what the project visually looks like if you want to put it that way And then, so we have the flow and then we go into the section which we call user stories. And so we have a a big set, it's usually the biggest section where we have all of the different user stories that are kind of written out. And then each slide has a user story and then the visuals for that story. So the user story might, you know, is like as a X, I want to be able to do Y, you know, for Z reason. I'll put some links in the show notes to some good articles about user stories if you haven't used them before but they're basically a good way to make sure you catch all the edge cases and think about the different scenarios so I have a user story on each page with the relevant screens you know with some arrows kind of thing that outlines each of those stories so that if an engineer is working on that particular scenario they know exactly what the experience or the flow should look like so I have that and then I have a section which is basically called screens and states and I have each of the screens that are in the flow or in the design experience and then the different states of that screen because there could be many different states of that screen. You know, you've got to think of error states or maybe uh, depending on how the user's configured their settings, it could be a different state of that screen. So I have that laid out as well so that uh, that's more of like the visual, right? So the engineers can see, okay, there's this screen and then there's these different like versions of that screen that need to be Uh, implemented and that is most of what's in there and then like I said there's links to various docs and other decks and copy docs and asset folders where designs can uh, sorry engineers can go and download and have access to the designs and there's also actually I forgot in the screen section we also have uh, like detailed we kind of call it redlining where we sort of outline the measurements I was just going to ask about that yeah (laughs) One of the most important parts that I shouldn't forget. Uh, So that's in the screen section where we sort of break down each screen and sort of do the red lining on top. So that includes all the specific measurements, like how much padding should be between items, uh, what the behavior should be, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And also uh, links out to, you know, we also highlight if there's any components being used so that engineers know, okay, this is an existing component that I should be able to grab from somewhere. Uh, So things like that. That's kind of like a a rundown of what that deck looks like. And what I like to do is kind of have an official like handoff meeting. So by the time I have this meeting, engineers should probably have already seen this deck because it's kind of, I like to share it with them while I'm sort of working through it so that they have access to it if they have any questions. But once I'm kind of done with it, I'm like, okay, this deck is ready. Everything's there. There's links to all the assets and the sketch file is ready. I sit down and have like an official handoff with them. And in that I document or or I explain like not only going through the, the deck, but I also talk about things like, okay, this is how you should best communicate 
communicate with me if you have any questions or like this is what I want to happen if uh, if you want to have a review session this is how you should set one up so it's going more into the detail of like how we can work best together going forward so that we can make sure that uh, the process is good and that I get the opportunity to review their work. Nice. Do you work with the same engineers all the time or is it, can it differ? No. So the engineers are part of a particular sort of stream or project stream. And so they specialize in that area. And so if I am working on something that's like from a different stream, then I'll work with different engineers. Nice. Do the engineers see the designs or have any like input on them before you get to the stage, like before you get to the handoff? Have they seen anything? Good question. Yes. So we have weekly uh, design reviews with the engineers. Cool. So as we're working on the project, we have uh, reviews scheduled for once a week. And if there's nothing to review, then then we don't have it because we don't want to waste everyone's time. But if there is something to review, there is that opportunity there to bring them in and get them get us all together and review the designs as we go. And that is also super helpful because you have to remember that as a designer, like, well, at least for me, I don't necessarily always know what is possible and what is not from an engineering perspective. So I could totally go and design this crazy, amazing experience, but it would be a shame if I got to the handoff and learnt that none of it was possible. So instead, I like to include the engineers, you know, throughout the design process and have regular reviews with them just to check in and make sure that what I am designing is actually feasible to build. What about the like animation or interaction side of things? Because it feels like what you've been talking about so far is all static. Do you do any sort of, I don't know, uh, prototype mock-ups that have animation involved so that they can see exactly how you want this screen to move to the left or whatever that sort of thing yeah so in the flow section I usually have a couple of prototypes and there they can go and like interact with the you know the experience and see how screens should transition and see what the flow is I don't build this out for every single user story I usually create a prototype for what we typically call the happy flow so like the ideal, right? The ideal, like this is the <laughs> ideal experience that 99% of people should have because that's what they should do to reach the goal. But of course, there's different edge cases and scenarios. Um, but I usually create a prototype to represent like this is the, the happy flow. This is what should ideally, you know, every user should see. And from there, you can kind of get an idea to how to adapt that to the different uh, scenarios. Nice. And I know we don't want to talk about tools, but because I'm interested, <laughs> what do you use for that? Uh, so for prototyping for that, uh, for engineers, I've used Atomic. Um, but yeah, different designers use different tools in our team. It's not standardized. Okay, cool. That sounds like a lot more in depth, I think, and more professional perhaps than the hand design handoff that I've used with developers in the past. But also that's probably because Uber is a much, much bigger company than I've worked at in the past. So it makes sense. It's pretty heavily documented and it's definitely not perfect, right? Um, there's things that we could improve upon. And one of like one of my team members is actually trying to figure out a better way to do this. And we're considering doing the whole thing in Figma and actually ditching Google Slides for this because it becomes quite tedious when if you update your design in Sketch or Figma, whatever design tool you're using, I then have to go into Google Slides and replace and update that screen in every instance in the slide, which could be like 20, 20 different times that that screen is, is in the handoff deck. 
So that becomes pretty tedious work um, and just prone for error. And it just takes so much time updating everything. Uh, whereas, you know, if if we had the whole handoff in some a, a design tool like Figma and you used components, you could just update the design and then those changes would reflect everywhere. So it's something that we're kind of trying to figure out how we could do this better. And I think Figma looks really promising for this, but it's it's totally a work in progress right now. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Nice. Okay, so like you, I would first off involve the developers before I reach a finished design. Usually though, only if there's something that I'm not sure about or if we haven't done it like this way before and I want to know how much dev time it's going to add. Even if I know it's possible, I don't know how long it's going to take them and if it's worth it for this project. You know, if it's something we need to get get out the door quickly, perhaps it's not an idea we need to use here and we can save it for another one. So that, that would happen. So they kind of have an idea of the design beforehand. And when I'd hand it off to them, I'd hand them a design file. So first it was Photoshop and then, you know, a few years later it became Sketch. <laughs> uh, so that they can, our developers would have that software on their own computer so that they could open it and click on things to see how tall is this header? Oh, 600 pixels, you know, because that's what the box says it is, that sort of thing. Rather than me doing the redlining process, that's just not something that I've ever had to do before because I guess of the close relationship I had with the developers and they could always lean over and ask me something. Well, like to be fair, ideally, I don't think designers should have to do the redlining. Right. Ideally, like you said, you either work with engineers who, you know, you work close enough with them that they know this anyway and will check it and your design file is accurate enough that they can rely on that as a source of truth. Uh, Or uh, I, this is something that I've, tried starting to use is a design tool that actually does this for you and I've heard good things about Zeppelin that uh, sort of handles all of this for you and you can basically input your da- designs into, into Zeppelin and it will automatically it's it's like a view where you can automatically then see like what is the spacing between things and what are the textiles being used and so that's something that I'm trying to move more towards because the redlining can be so tedious it's really quite a tedious thing and don't get me wrong it is important like knowing the measurements and specking that out is definitely important and something that you should be doing in your in your artboard anyway um, but the documenting of it is definitely a tedious process uh, there's also a plugin called sketch measure for sketch that that can add those oh i've heard of it yeah but we didn't really end up having to do much of that mostly because uh they were using components and things in the design so it's like our padding between sections was always going to be you know 60 pixels or whatever it is so yeah, there, were, there was a lot of a lot of the same things in there. But uh, so as well as the design file, I would also hand them an Envision document, I guess, where it's like a, a flat version of the design with notes from me on certain things. So it's like this button needs to link to this page or, you know, stuff like that, pointing out the things that aren't obvious in the visual design. And that way they can have that to refer to, you know, throughout and also ask me questions in there as well. Like, what should this piece do? And it, it's obvious what we're talking about because they're clicking right on the design and right at the place that they're talking about it. So I found that really useful to use. Uh, and Vision also came into the mix for me in the review process, which I know I haven't talked about yet, but it's kind of all connected for me. I wouldn't wait, well, the developer wouldn't wait till the very end of the build and then hand it off to me. It'd be more like checkpoints along the way, like, hey, how are you going? Can I take a look at where you've got so far? And they'd be like, yep, I've just done the header and this section and still working on the footer. So I'm like, cool, no, not to give feedback on the footer because they're still working on it, you know? Uh, And what I would do to give feedback on a build 
no matter what process, like stage of the process it's in, is I would take a full length screenshot of it, just open up in Google Chrome from their staging server or however they've shared it to me, upload that to Envision, and then leave comments on things that need to change. So whether it's like, hey, right here, padding needs to be increased by 50 pixels. And something I always do is go into the Chrome Dev Tools and make changes to the code to see how to get it exactly how I want, if if it's something that I know how to do and can do that, you know. Um, and that way, it's I, I'm not just saying more spacing here because then they're like, how much more? I'm giving them an exact number. But yeah, it was kind of like a, a good back and forth process throughout and less of like, like I said before, a handoff over the fence type of thing where I've worked. Yeah, I know what you mean. The way that I'm structuring it for my project is I've told the engineers at what point I want to do an official design review. So for example, I've told them like, okay, when the functional design is ready, which basically means like there are screens and they transition the right way and you should be able to go through every user story, but the visual design isn't necessarily on the screen. Um, so when, when the functional design is ready, I would like to do a review. Uh, the second one, uh, when the visual design is kind you know, sort of in place, but maybe not perfect, I want to do like a naked eye design review. So just, you know, looking at it and being like, okay, that's looking a bit off or the color there is obviously wrong. And then the third review that I've requested to do is like a proper, like, a proper design review. So that's like measuring things, making sure the distance between elements is correct, making sure the correct type style, textiles and type styles are being used. And so that's like a proper thorough design review. How do you go about that part, that measuring the things? What, what do you use for that? So I haven't got to that stage yet in my project. And so I'm kind of trying to figure that out now, how I'm going to do that. So I've, I've sort of asked engineers or requested like, first of all, I've requested them to tell me when they're ready for these different three reviews. Um, and also I've told them like, you know, I appreciate things like screenshots or like maybe you have it like on a test phone so I can actually interact with it or a video or something like that. And then I intend to take screenshots myself, kind of like you've said, and then identify the different areas where, you know, I have feedback. We're thinking we're going to try using this tool to do this, which is called Coda, C-O-D-A. I've heard of that. Yeah. And uh, it's basically kind of like a mash between spreadsheets and maybe Trello. And yeah, you can kind of create like tables and you can do logic as well. So like if the status here gets updated to done, then also update it over here. Uh, so that's kind of useful. And the idea there is that engineers will put the screenshots in of where they're up to and then I'll be able to review it and basically add tasks for the engineers and I'll be able to assign them to different engineers. So I don't know, maybe a task is like back arrow should be black uh, and then I can assign it to an engineer. There's also a column for the status of how that's going. Like, is it with the designer? Is it in progress? Is it completed? Does it need another review? Things like that. And yeah, hopefully that'll sort of be this back and forth process over time to make sure that not only that it's all documented somewhere, but that we're obviously checking that things are being implemented correctly. I like that. That's sort of, uh, we would use Envision for that part as well in the design review phase. Like I said, I'd have a screenshot with my comments on it. And when the engineer had made the change, like made the fix, they would mark that comment as completed in or resolved, I think is what it's called in Envision. 
And so then I'd know, okay, they've done that. So now I'm going to check that it's like actually been implemented how I wanted it. And if it's not, I'll reopen that comment and like add my changes. But if, if not, then great, then it's done. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a, a, a right way or a best way to do this, but yeah, I don't know. Cause it can, I think I've, I've seen it get quite out of hand. Like I've seen Google docs with like just comments full along the right hand side, uh, for when it comes to design validation. And so I'm hoping that using a tool like Coda will help us have it a bit more structured. And of course we have both Android and iOS. So we have sort of like two section, you know, split into two so that we can run each one kind of independently of each other. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that this process will, will work, but we'll have to see. It's definitely a sort of nitty gritty area. I think that can easily get out of hand. Yeah, for sure. But also it's worth getting into this nitty gritty stuff, right? Like I have often, I don't know, I think early on in my career, perhaps I was afraid that I was being annoying to the developers when I was asking for certain things to, you know, be this way like, oh, I'm really sorry, but this actually needs to be five pixels less padding. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but it does make a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you <laughs> mean. It's our job, right? We design it a certain way. And so it needs to be built a certain way. And so that's what happens. I've also had some times with a developer where they've been the one to tell me like, hey, we've just built like this quote, like customer quote component over here it's a little bit different in your design. Like, should we just use this one? And then I can be like, no, 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 this is the new design for quotes going forward. So update this as your component everywhere. That sort of thing happens as well. It's been really interesting for me to hear your process, Fem, because like, obviously it's so different to mine. And it's making me think that this handoff process is probably different for every single designer and developer team out there. We had some of our community members reply and share some of their handoff processes. And honestly, there were some things in there that really surprised me. <laughs> so I'm going to read some, some of them out. Okay, please do. My favorite one, I think, is Mark's. Mark says that after design approval, and I'm lucky if this happens, which I was like, red flag, straight away. Mark says, I'll schedule a meeting with the developer and go over the userflow and mock-ups. I use Figma right now and I'm really loving it. Uh, developers seem to not like any tool I throw at them. That's hilarious. Sounds like your developers need to be a bit less moody, to be honest. <laughs> Um, says usually I spend one to two hours during this handoff meeting going over as much as possible, but each developer is different and I have to try and modify the handoffs based off who is working on the feature. Side note, same for me at zero in particular, because I worked with a lot of different front end developers. I knew each of them liked to work in a slightly different way and liked to get assets in a slightly different way. And so I would, yeah, just work with them on that and be like, how do you want to do this? Okay, cool. Because I don't think the designers are in charge of developers, you know, and so it's fair enough that they have a say in what this process looks like, as long as they get all the things that we need them to have in the end. Yeah, I think also how I think it's good that he said I spend one to two hours during this handoff meeting going over as much as possible. There's something I try to do as well. So I, for example, I dedicated a meeting. I was like, okay, in this meeting, we're going to go through all of the user stories. Right. So everyone come. Uh, and we're going to go through them one by one. Yes, there's 50. It's going to take some time. I scheduled it over like two hours and made it lunch friendly. So everyone grabbed lunch and we went through this together. But it's it just makes such a difference because, yes, I can send everyone a link to the deck and be like, here, here's all the user stories. Check it out. Uh, but, you know, 
some people aren't going to look at it or people are just going to gloss over it. And so I sat down with them and we went through one by one every single story. And yes, it's tedious, but it's so helpful because during that, you know, we found some areas where, okay, maybe this isn't right or Maybe this needs to be changed a little bit. So it's so, so useful. You know, you can send as many emails and communications as you want, but it's so handy to actually put time aside to go through things together and make sure everyone is on the same page. Yeah. I mean, because I'm so into this, into remote work now and I like working that way, I don't think it would suit me to sit in a two-hour meeting uh-huh. about user stories. I think I personally would prefer to like read it and then have an easy space to ask questions, but I don't think Google Slides is an easy space to ask questions. Like You'd have to be like, on slide four, when you said this. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I guess different companies, different yeah. needs. And different but, expectations. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, anyway, Mark goes on to say the key things that I have to have in a handoff are a user flow prototype, comment the hell out of the prototype, uh, a style guide, and treats. I am not above bribery. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love this too. <laughs> uh, then, this was really surprising to me. He said, the review process after development is non-existent right now. I find out the development is complete once something is live, and then I write up bugs. But my boss is lead developer, and his priority is functionality over usability at the stage of the product. So that's really interesting for me that there's no coming back to the designer and checking that things are right before shipping them live. And I can imagine that would be very frustrating for Mark as, you know, as the designer here to have to go through that because I know that from what I've seen, the first pass that a developer does of building a design is very rarely correct. Like, you know, everything exactly how I wanted it. And sometimes, even though like he said his lead developer is about functionality over usability like that if if it's not usable then it's not very functional is it i don't know just maybe it's because i am a designer that i just don't believe that and i think that things should be should be working correctly and in in an, a way that makes the user enjoy using it and easy to use it like doesn't matter if they can find this button to click or whatever but if it's a struggle to find it then they're probably not going to bother so yes that seems a little bit problematic mark and i'm really sorry that you have to deal with that yes mark i would encourage you to try and build design reviews into this phase of the project uh and maybe a good way to start if you know he said that lead developer uh their priority is functionality well you can say that that's also a priority for you and as a designer you want to review the functionality and so that could be a good starting point by setting that expectation and saying hey, you know, we both agree functionality is a priority. So I would like to schedule a design review to review the functionality of the, the project or the, the whatever, the design um, before we push it live and start with that and see how that goes. And if it's successful and if the engineers uh, realize that there's value in doing that, hopefully they do. And maybe from there you can, if that's successful, take it to the next step and be like, okay, cool. Well, next, you know, next review, I'd like to review the visual or the usability or whatever it is and see how that goes. Yeah, for sure. And I would say, don't just ask once and then expect them to come back to you on it. Like make friends with the developers and keep asking them like every single day, if you have to, like uh, it might be annoying at first, you might feel like you're annoying them and you probably will be annoying them, but it's necessary, right? Like it's going to make all of your work better if you can catch a few of these things before having to write up a bug report about it and, you know, work it in later in in, this, in the, the project timeline. So yeah, really frustrating. And I, yeah, can't say I've experienced it before, luckily, but it must suck to go through that. 
Yeah, totally. I think design definitely deserves a voice at this you know, phase of the project. For sure. Definitely. Meg says, I've used Zeppelin in the past and it's goals. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Envision is used the stakeholders so they can comment, etc. And I've done a spec sheet of screens with pixel measurements. Review is usually built into the scrum process before the launch. So that's good. I like the idea of review being part of a scrum because that's something that is already like a developer space, right? Like they're already there. They already have to come to the scrum. So why not build design review into that? I think that's, that's a good idea. I'm wondering if Meg has a place that links out to all of these different places. Because it sounds like, you know, she's using Zeppelin for this and Vision for that spec sheet over here. Like, is this all documented in one place? Is there, because I think it's nice. I appreciate it. And I assume also my engineers appreciate that there is one source of truth. There is one place that they can go and that has access to everything that they need to know, even if it's just links out to other tools and other, you know, other parts somewhere else in the, in the internet universe. Uh, but at least it's all there, right? It's all this in the source of truth. So I wonder if Meg has that as well, because that would be interesting. Yeah. Well, when I was working with a separate front end developer, I didn't have that. It would just be me sending the the files over to them, you know, via, whatever chat system we were using at the time. But then they have to scroll through your chat and find like, where did Charlie send me that link? Oh, that sounds tedious. Exactly. We didn't (laughs) have like a one place. Not that I can remember anyway. Maybe it's been a while, but yeah, we didn't have one place where all the files would live. Now, I think if uh, we had a separate front-end developer at ConvertKit, I would be making a Basecamp message board post with all of the relevant stuff because that's what I do for each, you know, that's like our one source of truth place is where all the the stuff to catch up on goes. So that will probably be where it lives. Yeah. Speaking of like source of truth locations, I wanted to share, there's two really great Medium articles. One is from uh, the Dropbox design team and they talk about how you can use Dropbox paper as these sort of source of truth design document documents. Uh, And then the other one is from the Deliveroo design team and they use this tool called Notion to do all of their design documentation. And I'll link them in the show notes and I highly highly recommend that you check these two articles out and consider you know how they're using these tools and how they're documenting the process Uh, because I think it's so important to have this sort of design source of truth for these projects Uh, I think your engineers will just love you for it and it's a it's always important to document changes and just as a side note also like make sure you maintain it over time and if something is completed, don't delete it. I think you should keep it, mark it as done because uh, it's good to be able to see the progress and see how things were done or what, what was done in the past so you can refer to it because it's going to be helpful over time in the future. So yes, that's kind of like my final like recommendation. If you're not doing extensive handoff documentation or maybe you're wanting to adapt yours, then check out those two articles because I think they have a lot of good stuff in there. Great note to end on. So Fem. Where can people go to find more episodes of this podcast? You can go to designlife.fm. That's our website. You can also, if you have an Android phone, you can Google Design Life Podcast and subscribe right there in the Chrome browser. This is a new fancy thing that Google now supports. Um, You can also go to designlife.fm slash community if you want to join our community of excellent, interesting and inspiring creators. We have so many good conversations in there. And you can see the quality of some of the conversations we have based on the comments that we've read out from them today. So thanks. Shout out to Meg and Mark 
for sharing their experience made the show just that much better. Yeah, it's always good to get an outside perspective, right? So it's not just just us. <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter. We're at Design Life FM over there. Always love to hear your thoughts. Uh, tell us about your design handoff process. What is it like? Is it similar to what we have? Do you get to do a review before it goes live? Is that like a common thing for it not to happen? Mm-hmm. That felt like a double negative. But yeah, I <laughs> wouldn't be really interested in hearing that. So let us know. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye, fam. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.